This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. Go with me, if you will, to Isaiah 62, which is our foundational scripture. And we're going to get into some things, some new things and some old things. We know that God here in Isaiah 62. Now, again, you don't need to be moving while I'm teaching. You need to be still so you can learn. You need to be still so that you can learn and that you can grow and develop. Amen? So again, we know that in this passage of Scripture, Isaiah 62, this is God speaking through Isaiah, letting the children of Israel know that the next move that he was going to do was to restore the city of Jerusalem. He was also letting them know before Jerusalem could be restored, that was the work that they were going to have to do. That they were going to have to uh, prepare a way for God's people. And we're going to bring that all into our time and where we are. This is where we're, God, is, God is grounding us in understanding this so that we can understand his next move. So, in verse 10, 60, chapter 62, verse 10, it reads, Go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones, lift up a standard for the people. Church, we have learned over several weeks that before God's next move, there's always a time of preparation. We can put it in this instant, but also in our lives. Whenever God is going to move in your life, before he does, there's always going to be a time of preparation. So you've got to recognize the preparation. Now, in that this church, we are under change, and where God has taken us, the preparation is now. So if it is now for us as a church, it is now in your life. It is now in your life. You're in a preparation period for His will. See, put yours on the back burner for now because it's for His will. Always a time of preparation. There will always come a time in your life that God is going to call you to get outside of your comfort zone. What we do not like. We love our comfort zone, but God is going to get us outside of that. There's coming a time. And it is now that God is calling all of us to remove all the stumbling blocks in our lives, all the things that easily beset us, even the sin. God is saying, move it. And at this time, God is saying to us, lift up a standard. Lift up a standard and prepare a way for those that he desires to restore. So because he desires to, he said, I want you to prepare a way. But I'm preparing you to know how to prepare the way. Church, I want you to know that all that God is doing in us and all that God is going to do and doing through us as a church to prepare us for the next move of God, he's, it, it, it's all going to come around him directing, leading, instructing us. 
So if you miss his instruction, his leading and direction, you're not going to know where we're going. Amen? So, because of this, the intent of this teaching is to make our church ready. Make this local church ready. I have been saying it for every week, and I'll say it again. The reason why we're in preparation, because we're not ready. And it's not a bad thing, but we're not ready. We are in the time of preparation. We're not ready as individuals, and we're not ready collectively. But God is saying, now is not a bad thing, but every one of you are in preparation. God is trying to get us ready and set for the adversities that we will go through with this change. When he breaks forth, when it springs forth, things that we have to do, things that we're going to do, like going into prison ministries, like dealing with the unsaved people, doing with, uh, just dealing with those that are saved that have our problems and issues. The enemy, we ha- he moves at the same time that God moves. And so God said, I want to make us ready so that we can deal with the adversity that we'll face when we move into his next move. Church, we cannot, listen, we cannot and will not do what God was, has called us to do without facing adversity. I'm going to tell you that now. You, it, it, it's nothing. Nothing that you're going to do for God are you going to do without adversity being there. But this is what we have to understand. We can't get ready for adversity in adversity. We can't get ready for adversity in adversity. Are you getting what I'm saying? Basically, I'm saying you cannot, everybody say cannot, swim while you're drowning. You cannot swim while you're drowning. you got to already know how to swim before you get thrown into the water. So that's why we're in preparation because God said, I don't want you trying to swim when you're drowning and you never learn to swim. So preparation is getting us. Some of us, God has said, I'm showing you how to kick. Some of God has said, I'm showing you how to use your arm. Because when the adversity comes, it's coming and we have to learn how to deal with it. You have to learn how to swim before you get thrown into the water. Did you understand that? And God is trying to get ready for us to deal with the adversity that we're going to face. The purpose of this teaching is for us to clearly understand why and how God moves. There is a consistency to how and why God moves. And we've also learned that God moves in us, God moves through us, and around us. And everything that he does in us, through us, and around us is to accomplish his will. It's not about what you're going through. It's to accomplish his will. Then we learn that the goal is to keep us in the will of God. Because if we're not in the will of God, if we miss the move of God, we will get certainly get outside of the will of God. If you don't know how he's moving, you're going to do your own thing. And you're going to be outside of the will of God. Move, you know, we have to understand this. First of all, we found out in earlier teaching, when God moves, it's to fulfill a promise. You heard it in family life this morning. Fulfilling a promise. When he makes a promise, he's going to fulfill it. So when he moves, it's to fulfill a promise. That all of God's promises that he says, all of God's promises are contained in his word. Did you hear me? 
All of God's promises are contained in his word. And when he moves, he is moving to fulfill a promise. That's why we're reading Isaiah 62. Everything is there. And when God moves, he brings about a time of change to wake us up. And to position us where he needs for us to be. He said, wake up and get in position. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, for those of you that don't come on Wednesday night, you're not in position. You don't understand warfare. You warfare. You cannot. You, let me tell you, we can't even use you. Because you have to be consistent in the word. Is that important? See, I know a lot of things are your priority, but this word is our priority. And you got to press. So don't you think I don't watch everything and see everything? I learned that from the founding pastor. I watch and see everything, even those that call that have a calling on their life, and I see God speaking to them. And when you, it's no way that God can use you when you're missing information. No way. Well, he won't hear. Amen. Then we learned that the goal is to keep us in the will of God again. And then we found out that again, that it's always God is fulfilling a promise. And then we said, when God moves, he brings about a, a time of change. Again, to wake us up, to position us to where he wants to be. He wants to demonstrate his power. See, God wants to demonstrate his power in this ministry. There's power in this ministry. And he wanted to demonstrate it here on earth. We learn that God moves because he has heard the cry of his people. And we also learn that there's a difference in the whining of Christians and the cry of his people. He's not listening to the whining of Christians. You follow the word, but he is listening to the cry of his people. God does not move because you're whining. He, because you're whining for a house, or a car, or a new job, or a husband, or a wife. That's called whining, or a promotion. And I'm just going on and on, and I'll need money in the bank. God is not, God moves, God only moves when He hears the cry of His people. And those people are people not always who you think they are. These people that God is listening to and hearing, these are people that are hurting. These are people that are bound. These are people that are frustrated. These are people that have gained the whole world and have lost their souls. This is people that are crying out because they're trapped in situations that they put themselves in. And they're crying out. Some of them are crying out and don't even know they're crying out to God. They're in trouble. Those that are incarcerated. And they're crying out to God. And God is hearing them. So stop whining. God moves when he hears the single mother, the single father, the absentee mother. The absent, those are the ones that he's listening for and hearing. That those that, that are crying out that want to do better, but they're trapped. They want to do better, but they're trapped. And when they begin to cry out to him, he begins to move. And in order for him to begin to move, he needs a people to move with. And so he's called Church of the Living Water. He's already had reformation in place so that now we can position ourselves to move when he tells us to move. 
And he moves to let his people know that he loves them. Even though a lot of it they got themselves into, but he loves them. God moves because if there are people hurting who need to know, they need to know that he loves them. They need to know that he loves them. God moves because he desires that the people be free. Free from the bondage of sin and unrighteousness. Free from that. God desires this. He said, I want them delivered from the power of sin. That's kept them bound. But they're crying out. God moves because he wants people to have life. And he wants somebody to have a new life. He wants somebody in here this morning to have a new life. I'm not talking about that you're not born again. I'm talking about you're going through. And God said, I want you to have a new life. How many of you know that sometimes you can mess up your life? You can just mess up your life. Sometimes you can get derailed. You can get uh, off course of God. But God will move because he wants you to have a new life. You're not trapped in where you don't have none. God said, I'm coming to help. Now, it might not be the kind of help that you want. But it's going to be the help that you need. So don't look for us to pacify what you want. That's not God's help. God's help is going to come from him. And whatever. Sometimes God's help is going to come through rebuke. Through correction. It'll come through all of that. But it's still God. It's still God. Are you understanding me? You made a mess of your life. That's okay. God said, I hear you cry. Every once in a while you get to a point where you say, I've wrecked my life. My life is not what I intended it to be. And maybe you didn't intend for it to be. Maybe you didn't mean to make the mistakes that you did. But it's happened. And now you're sitting here on the other side of life. Unable to move forward because of sin and unrighteousness. And because of choices that you made. And we've understood about choices. Maybe you're there in whatever situation you're in. And God moves because he wants us to have a new life. And not just a new life, the abundant life. See, that, that, see, every time we, because of wrong teaching, every time now we hear abundant life, we hear money. But there are things that are better than money. That's things that are much better than money. And the abundant life is one of them. And, it, and let me tell you, it may or may not include money, but the abundant life, it goes way beyond that. That's what God desires for you. See, you're going to seek it from all other areas, and you think that's going to work, but you're going to find out at the end of the day, I still need that abundant life. That God promised. He promised us abundant life if we served Him. So my concentration would be on, am I serving him? Because he already wants the abundant life for me. The Bible teaches me that. But am I living the life of serving him so that I can have the abundant life? And so, after you get the abundant life, then you can trade the the new life for abundant life and then take the abundant life and trade it in for external life, the eternal life. Upgrade. We all know about that. We also learn that God moves in a process of time. That means that God is not going to move when you want Him to do. And I, you know what? Everybody said that saying, you know, God's never too late. He's right on time. No, God is always right. 
always right. You know, we are always like, I'm like, you, you don't even know when the right time is. For Christians, the right time is always right now. And God said, now if I do that right now, it's going to kill you. It's a good thing, but it's not the right time. But we all just look, I just want it right now, God. Right now. But God moves in a process of time. But God is going to move when it is the right time. God moves, and we talked about that in earlier teaching. God moves in dispensations of time. That's the way he does it, in dispensations of time, a time in our life where he has called out a specific time to do a specific thing in your life. God moves in a time of visitation. We talked about that. How many of you know that every now and again, God will visit you? Now, we know that he lives on the inside of you, but the visitation is different. Every now and again, God will just visit you. He will show up and speak to you. And this is what he'll do. When he shows up, he'll show up. And before he starts speaking to you, he'll inspect your life. He'll inspect your character before he starts speaking. See, he's going to show up for the visitation, but he's in the inspection of your life, of your character. When God moves, we let you, let, our, let you know now, and I told you before, there's always a window of opportunity to change your life. And it's only a window of it, of an opportunity to change your life. We also learn that, learn how God moves. We learn that God moves by His Spirit. And His Spirit dwells on the inside of us. I hear people say all the time, you know, I want God to show up in my life. Well, if you're a Christian, He's already there. What are you waiting for? What are you, I'm waiting for God to show up. He's there if you're a Christian. I want God to show up in my marriage. If you're a Christian, He's in your marriage. Are you, with, are you following me? He lives there already. Now, listen to me closely, especially those that have some marital issues. If God is going to show up in your marriage, He's going to show, He's going to, He's going to change you by His Spirit. See, we're busy asking God to show up in our marriage and change our spouse. But when God shows up, He's there to change you. Not your spouse. See, we keep looking at the spouse and see what God is changing. God said, no, I'm showing up. You're the one that's crying out. You're the one that I'm coming for. And you're the one I'm going to deal with. He's going to come up to change you by His Spirit. If God's going to show up in your home, He's going to speak some things to you in your home. Speak things to you in your home. Not just show up in my home, God. First thing he's going to do, he's going to make sure that you are a witness in your home. Are you a witness in your home before you're asking him to change your home? Actually, you know what? Most of the time when Christians ask God to show up, what they're saying is, this is what they show up in my home. This is what they're really saying. God, I want you to, I want to leave and have you come in 
and fix everything the way I want to, then I'll come back after you fix everything. I'll come back and enjoy what you do. That's basically what we're saying. God, God, I need to just move back and let you come in, fix it real good like I want it, and then I'll come back. God is not your personal housekeeper. Get a, get a grip on that. He's not doing any of that. And he's never going to come while you're gone to, and fix it. Won't he do it? He fixed. No, no. He's never gonna come while you get out of the way for him to go in and fix it. That won't happen. Why? Because he put the fixer on the inside of you. So why would he come do it? Then if he's gonna come do it, you don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't need to be saying, you just do your own thing. You fix it. But God said, I have already put the fixer. On the inside of you. And that fixer on the inside of you empowers you to fix it. You fix the situation in your life. You fix it. See, we think God is here to fix everything, but I'm telling you, if that's the case, what do we need church for? What do we need God for? Just fix it. God, what did God give you a brain for if he's going to do everything? Why did he give you a body if he was going to do everything? God only... Everybody say he's only. He's only going to do what you can't do. Everything else you must do. I dare you sit and ask God to do something you can do. Like he's your slave. God is only going to do what you can't do. That's it. Everything else God requires you to do it. I know. We don't, we don't want to hear that. We want to know that God is going to fix everything. You know what? He's going to give you words like this, but you still got to fix it. I know you want to be in one of the ministry where we can come down here and lay hands on you and God has just fixed it. That's a lie. That's a lie. You go back home, you see it's not fixed. Then you come back down to the altar for another fix. God said, well, the fix is in you. You're going to have to do something. Now, God works in us by His Spirit, but He only works according to His Word. Don't think He's doing anything else. It's only according to His Word. And we learn God's Word is what He said in His Word. That's God's Word. And God works and moves through those He can use. That's what I'm trying to talk about. If you're not pressing in on Wednesdays, you're not pressing in on every, everything, things that we're doing to connect yourself. God is only going to work through those He can use and those He can trust. God can't trust everybody, but He works through those that He can trust. Did you hear me? God can't trust everybody. But he works through those that he can trust. And then we said that God moves. When he moves, we can expect restoration. Whenever God moves, restoration is a part of it. Whether it is in us individually, whether it's in our home, whether it's in this church, whether it's in a generation. Even if it's 
if it's a nation, God will move. He can bring restoration. When God moves, we can expect that he will repair the damage that has been caused by sin and unrighteousness. We can expect that. See, you must have an expectancy. If you don't have an expectancy, you won't even think, you won't even know when it show up. There's a, there should always be an ex- expectancy concerning the things of God. There are some damages that have been caused by sin and unrighteousness in our lives and in the lives of others. Sin and unrighteousness. When God moves, He wants to repair the damage. He wants to heal the hurt. He wants to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to do that. But He's not going to just do that with one sermon. You've got to give yourself totally to Him. There are those that are around us that are brokenhearted. Some of you don't even recognize it. And when God moves, it's because He wants to heal those hurts. And when God moves, He wants to rebuild, remember, the relationship that He has between Himself and man. All of this is just review from what we've taught, been teaching for the last few weeks. There are those around us that are brokenhearted. They're brokenhearted. We need to see that. God said, I want to I rebuild the relationship. He desires for us to have. He said, I want to rebuild it. He's going to rebuild the relationship. It needs to be rebuilt. It's been torn down. And you can come in here every Sunday with a torn down relationship. And then I told you that you can tell when God moves because there's always life and light. There's going to be life and light. By that I mean God illuminates things clearly on the inside of us. When God moves, there's always, always going to be a witness. Somebody. How many of you know that you wouldn't be here today if, you, if it hadn't been for a witness? Every one of us. Somebody witnessed to us. Somebody we saw not. Somebody ministered the gospel to us. That's called witnessing. God will always have people around to witness. You could be one. If it had not been for some, somebody who witnessed to us of who God was and how he loved us, about his goodness, we wouldn't be here. That's why we can all thank God now. You know, you, you need to thank God for mothers and fathers and grandmothers and uncles and aunts that prayed. Even the ones that prayed so hard and always talked about God, that got on your nerves. We all had those in our family. You say, oh Lord. You know, every time those ones that every time you went to their house, they were like, oh, they go, they're going to do some little Bible scriptures or they're going to say something or they're going to pray or they're going to bust in the song and they're going to sing. And then everybody had to pray before you eat and you used to be peeping out of one eye saying, oh, that food look good. I wish they hurry up. I'm ready to eat. But they like, we're going to pray it through over the food. And then when everybody got ready to go, they wouldn't let you leave before they caught your hand and said, I'm praying for you. And you were thinking to yourself, looking at them, I don't care what you're doing because I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And you were thinking to yourself, please let my hand go. And then they give you a big kiss. And so I'm praying for you. 
Because you and you were thinking to yourself, oh my God. And then you, you call your friend. You didn't have no cell phones then. You call your friend and say, oh Lord, my relatives are out of their mind. They're crazy. Everybody's crazy over here. Everybody just talk about the Lord over here. Everybody talk. Those are the ones that got you where you're here now. You just didn't see it. And even when you walked away and say, I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do. But then in the weak moment of your life. Because, see, when you did that, you started making choices. That's even in your life today from those choices. Everybody say, thank God for a witness. You know what, this, this is what, when I think about that whole scenario, this is what, and I think I'm going to do some teaching on it maybe later on during the year, but too many of us that are seniors have not become seniors. You don't get it. Many of us that are seniors, and I'm not even talking about in age, I'm talking about in word and you know, age plays a part of it, but even that. But many of us that have become seniors are not seniors. Again, I'm not necessarily talking about age. Many of us have become the elder generation. See, we, we think we're just staying young. We've become the elder generation, but we're not acting like the elder generation. The people that I was just talking about. See, we don't act like them. Those people, they would get on their knees. And they would pray through the night. You was out at the club bouncing and praying. And, and, and they was busy home praying and lifting you up. We don't have many of them anymore. But all of us were the age that they were when they used to pray for you. We're not wearing our knees out in prayer. We're not pulling the younger members into our family uh, where, where we, they need to go. We just, oh, they're, they're grown. We've, talk, we've taken God out of family reunions. Now it's just a family reunion. It used to be a family reunion was all about God because the elders made sure of that. Now God is not even in family celebrations. They just, just celebrate. Nothing about God. And you save in the midst of it in nothing about God. There's no more requirements to pray in the house anymore. See, it used to be. It used to be. And I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about church folk. I'll let you know when I'm talking about sinners. I'm talking about church folks. See, how we were raised, we're different from the way we raise our children. How we, you know, how we were brought up. We're not doing that. We become old. Now, when I say old again, don't keep thinking that I'm only talking about age. Some of us have gotten older in age, but even in our mindset, in what, we're, in what we've learned. We've gotten old, but we haven't become seniors yet. We haven't become seniors yet. We're not willing to impart wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in those that are coming behind us. See, we have to be willing to impart that. 
And you know what? We can use the excuse. Then this is our excuse. Oh, I tried to talk to them. They won't listen. Well, you didn't listen either. See, we want to, we want to, we, God said, make sure you bring them back to where they were. Because they will not listen. God say, well, they didn't listen either. Let's not act like not listening is a new phenomenon. It's not. Ignoring, listen, ignoring people who had wisdom is a chronic thing. It's a chronic problem that has been passed down from generation to generation. Those of us that was raised in the 50s, we didn't listen. Those of us that were, was raised in the 60s, we didn't listen. Those of us that was raised in the 70s, we didn't listen. So we can't be so critical on this generation and say they don't listen because you didn't either. How many years and years did it take grandmas and mothers and fathers to pray, pray for you before you went to church? Oh, well, I was in church. Okay, before you gave your life to God. Because, see, if you hollered that you was in the church and they were telling you all that, then you better check your born again because let me you wasn't listening to nothing. And you went to church every day, every Sunday. So, Look at your life and how long did it take for you to get right? We're always on the 20 years old and say, you know what? I'm always telling them, act your age. But some of the 40, 50, and 60 year olds are not acting their age. Some just need to grow up and act your age. Listen. Listen. If you are past 40, if you're 45, Listen, you're not supposed to be cool anymore. Dad, I'm a 40? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not even supposed to be cool anymore. If you're still cool, you haven't grown up. You're not supposed... 40? Come on now. No. Okay, I'll give you 45. God said, no, give him 40. You're not supposed to be cool. Time to let it go. Time to embrace the fact that I am older. You're not that young anymore. You're not that young anymore. This is this will help you. Once you're in your 40s, listen women, you, well, some men too, but mostly women, if you are in your 40s, you should not be buying the same clothes at the same clothes as your children buy at the same store. Nope, nope. You should look like a mother and they should look like a child. If your pants is as tight as theirs, you have not grown up. If you are as naked as they are, you have not grown up. There should be a distinct difference. Now, and you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Lord, me and my children, we both chop it raw. I'm not talking about it like that. I'm talking about you trying to go to the junior section. Because, I mean, Ross happy for everybody. And don't act like y'all don't know about Ross. That's y'all's hand. I quit playing. 
But if your child, if you are 40-something, you should not be at the same store that your young child, young daughter is. You ought to look like a parent. Let the church say, Amen. Those who didn't, it's too late, you're here now. Then we learn to know when God moves, and it took us two weeks on this. We said, when God moves, you're always left with a choice. That's how you know. You're always going to be left with a choice. A decision between two things. Always. You're left with an opportunity and a privilege and a freedom to decide between two things. What is my decision between two things? And then we are left with the choice whether we're going to accept his will or we're going to reject his will. We learn that when God moves, it is an opportunity to choose the relationship. It is an opportunity for us to choose him. You got to choose him. We said also when God moves, it is an opportunity for us to choose the course of our lives. And church Again, and I keep emphasizing this, you don't get very many opportunities to choose the course of your life. So when you get the opportunity to choose the course of your life, take it. There are so many turning points in our lives, and if, you, if every one of us would honestly look back over your life with integrity, the one thing that you can find determines how your life is right now. You can find out what choice did I make. And you will understand you really look at your life, everything that's happened in your life was determined by four or five choices, no more. No more than that. Again, you may have made thousands of decisions between it, but only four or five choices in your overall life. And every choice that you've made, uh, that one choice that you made, it is apparent that what's happening in your life stems from that. Every other decision that you've made, examples like I gave you before. Forty years ago, I decided to get married. But then in, in 40 years of marriage, I made thousands of decisions as a mother. But the, that one choice of being married, everything that's happening in my life now stems from that. You only get about four, maybe five, in your whole life where you have an opportunity to change the course of your life. Again, many decisions you, you can make, but you're not going to get all those opportunities. And once you don't have any more opportunities, you're stuck in that. Now, you go to heaven, but there's no more opportunities like that. That's why I say you better hope somebody's praying for you. God, give them another opportunity. Just somewhere down the line. And most of the time, those opportunities stretched out from your choice. Sometimes you get an opportunity, you make a wrong choice, and you might get another opportunity in about 30 years. 20 years. 15 years. 40 years. Sometimes there is no other opportunity. You're in it. So, we got to make sure that we understand that. Look back over your life. 
You can look back over your life and see some of your bad choices that you made. But, that, but guess what? Every choice that you made, God was there before you chose. Everyone. It was never a choice that you made without Him being there. He always talked to you before you made the choice. Be honest. Look back over the times that you missed. Over the times that you blew it. And every one of us in here have blown it. Times where you went in the wrong direction. But God was there before you took it. Somebody was witnessing to you. You didn't recognize it or you wasn't going to do it. But somebody was giving you truth. God was speaking to your heart. And there was just a, a tug of war going on on the inside. Struggling, whether I'm going to do this, this my way, or I'm going to do it my way. Oh, God, I'm so tired of them talking about it. Mm. Then you make the choice to, to do things your way. And then you have the audacity after you do things your way and your life is in trouble. Now you're asking God, God, where were you? God said, I was always there. You know when your mother said, what are you doing? That was me. You know when your father said, you better slow it down. That was me. See, that was me. I was right there. When somebody said, you know what, I'm not going to go that way because that's just not the... That was me. When somebody was telling you, you let me tell you, one of them little boys lay down with your tail, they get up and won't even know your name. That was me. That was me. We're always looking for God to get down and come off the throne and say, but he's going to work through his representatives. That was all of him. But you made a choice to do the things your way. And now you have the results. You have the results that even follows now. And even every message that you get, like today, every message you get for Sunday, it's before you go out and do whatever you're going to do on Monday. God's already been there. When God moves, He gives you an opportunity to choose, remember, the fruit of your life. The fruit of your life. And what type of fruit that you want to produce. We talked about, I think that was the last thing we talked about on last Sunday. He gives you an opportunity to choose the fruit of your life, whether it be bitter or sweet. And then we said in Deuteronomy 30, He told us, He said, I said before you, life and blessings, death, and cursing. Therefore, you have to choose. He gave you an opportunity to choose. Now, if you will, go to Hebrews chapter 3. New information. Write down. When is a move of God fulfilled? 
when is it fulfilled? A move of God is fulfilled when His will is accomplished. See, because when He's moving, like right now, in your life, it's going to be when, you'll know when it's fulfilled, when it's accomplished, what He said. See, some of the things that I've talked about, if you're still in it, He still haven't accomplished in you what He's trying to accomplish. So, His move on you is not complete. He's still moving. If you go back to earlier lessons, the move of God, we said, is to fulfill when a promise that He has made concerning a person or people that has cried out to Him have been accomplished in their lives. So, everything that you've been crying out for, if it hasn't been accomplished and done, then He's still moving in your life. He's moving on you right now. Because when it's fulfilled... It will be accomplished, the promise that he said. He's heard your cry. And he's faithful to his promise. That promise has been accomplished. When that promise is accomplished in your life, that I'm telling you, you'll see the results. You'll see the results of that promise being accomplished in your life. And you'll see that you've been restored. See, if you haven't been restored, it haven't been accomplished. Did you know you can short-circuit what God is doing? No, you know, I can't stop God from doing nothing. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. You can short-circuit what God is doing. In other words, you can stop what God is doing after He started. Now, you can tell yourself, God is, God, I can't stop anything. God can be moving in your life to accomplish your will. You could be in the process of being restored and then short-circuit it. Just short-circuit what God is doing. Going in the right road. One of the things I want to caution everyone, whether you're a new Christian, young Christian, or a Christian you are now, know this. You are better than what you was. It doesn't mean that you're what you ought to be. See, a lot of times we think we've obtained. You're better than what you was. Because now you have God in your life. But you ain't near about where you ought to be. And what happens oftentimes, we think that because things get better, <laughs> that everything is alright. Oh, everything's better now. You get a little money, everything's all right. They've been a little nice, everything is all right. See, we think because something get a little better, everything is all right. No, no, it's coming back. That's not the way it works. And that's, that's a dangerous place to be for things that just get better and you think it's all right. It's a very dangerous place to be when things get better and you think everything, you know, because it's still not finished. That's why it's dangerous because you get excited. It's like a college student. You know, about their junior year, that's when they really broke. About the junior year, you don't even have money for ramen noodles. You know, you just, 
there. But you look around and you see people in, you know, people that didn't go to college, friends that you knew, they got a new car, they got their apartment, they didn't go to college, and you be thinking to yourself, well, what, you know what, they doing better than me. And you actually begin to think in your head, you know what, I need to get a job now. And you know what, and you actually could get a job and make some money. You know, by junior in college, you can, you can get a pretty good job. And make some money. But you, 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 you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I could, I could they look like they're doing better than me. Here I am, broke, and I'm hearing, you know, I mean, I mean, just broke. And they, and they, and here I am trying to get college and look at them. They got a car, and they got a place, and it's furnished. I'm showing you how you can get off what God has started. Just to give you an example. See, you can get off. You, you have to complete it. Even though what you see is nothing. Even, and because a lot of times we think that they're doing better. You think everything's alright. With them... Maybe I just need to, you know, get out for a little bit and then go back later and wait, not finish. See, right in the, well, it's the same thing with the things of God. God's in the middle of getting you where you need to be. I'm telling you, he's telling you every time you come to church, it's like he's only talking to you. You'll even say it. It was nobody but me. See, it's a dangerous place to be in. And he's talking to you and he's telling you. And then something comes up. I, th- I think I'm going to do this. You start making up in your own head what you want to do. The own thing you want to accomplish. And you want, you see, see, if you were in college and you get out, you didn't accomplish what you set out to do. Well, if you're in God and God is moving on you and it hasn't fulfilled what He promised that He was going to do and you get out and do your own thing, you have just all, you just cut God off. And once again, nothing accomplished. But know this, God's will will be done. However, it does not mean that it will be done in you. Or through you. But he's still going to get it done. You don't stop no show because you act a fool. Not with God. You just cut yourself off. We can choose God's will to remain unfulfilled in us and unfulfilled through us by getting out ahead of Him. By stopping Him. And you just chose, God, your will I don't want to be fulfilled in my life. What you wanted to do through me, I don't want you doing it through me. Listen. There are people in this church, I'm talking about only Church of the Living Water. There are people in this church that came to this church. Marriage was in shambles on the edge of divorce. Right there, pretty much divorce. And they came into this church. Listen. And they sat and they listened and they learned. And now their marriage is a success. They let God fulfill something in them. There are other members that came at the 
anytime that they did, or maybe before they did, and years later, they heard the same message, they took the same classes, they even went to our marriage seminar or marriage conference, and their marriage is still the same shambles from when they first came. Same messages. Came here 20 years, 30 years, how many? Came here with it broken. And today, been sitting in this ministry all along, and it's still broken 15, 20 years later. There's, there's people that have been to, I think we've had several marriage seminars, but there's some people in here that came to one, their marriage was in trouble. And they got it. And changed. There's others that went to every one that we had. And every new member and every deal we talked about marriage. And their marriage is still the same. There have been no marital change. Listen. So when you think of it like this and everybody's hearing the same message and doing all that. Well, it can't be what you were taught. Listen. It has to be you. It has to be the people. It cannot be the message because everybody got the message. The same one. It's you. It's the people. God said, it's the people. People that have come in here in terrible state. They've gotten their life back together. I've watched it over the years. They got their finances in order over the years. And now their life is soaring. Same people joined at the same time. There's no different about their life. No different about their life. The only difference about their life is except they're going to heaven. That's the only difference. But for living on earth, same thing. Oh, you can go to a word church to teach all of it. And everything in your natural life is the same. And let me tell you, the, the person that was successful, both of them had Bibles, both of them took notes. Did all of that. Even joined ministries and had badges. Both. So again, what's the difference? Not the message. The people. God moved in both people's lives. But you can choose God's will or not. You can choose for God's will to not remain, to remain unfulfilled in your life. And it will be unfulfilled. Unfulfilled in you and through you. Unfulfilled in you and through you. And listen, God will continue to move until His will is accomplished. So keep sitting. But that doesn't mean... Listen, it doesn't move God. See, a lot of times we think it moves God to, you know, because we're crying and we're, we're, you know, and begging and that's not even prayer. That doesn't move God. God is going to move in you until he, the move is complete. 
might take all of your life and it might be unfulfilled if you never let him come through. In other words, God is going to perform his will. He's going to accomplish his will. But whether or not it's in you and through you, it's subject to you. It is not subject to God. He's not going to automatically just do it. It's subject to you whether he is fulfilled or not. If you don't believe me, ask the children of Israel. (laughs) God let a whole generation die out in the wilderness. But his will didn't die. God's will didn't die, but he let the people die out. They died. He said, but I'm still going to accomplish my will. I'm just no longer going to accomplish it through you. That's what he did with Israel. He said, no, no, you won't be going into the promised land. But my will is still in place. I just decided to use someone else. And if the next group don't get it right, don't act right, I won't use them either. So that means if you don't act right and your children don't, he said, I won't use them either. But he said, but eventually my will will be done. Now here's the problem. We have to, and this is, we underestimate this one thing. We underestimate the power of our will. We underestimate that. The power of our will is strong. We underestimate it. Get this about our will and God. God and us, we're all, God is stubborn and so are we. God is stubborn and so are we. Get it? Hold on. How could you you say that God is stubborn? That's just a little bit. God is not going to change His will. He said, I'm the Lord God. I change not. I say, that's stubborn. I change not. Don't ask me. That's stubborn. I'm not changing. Now, the word stubborn means having a showing dogged determination not to change one's attitude or position on something. He's, let me tell you, he's dog determined. I'm not changing. And it says, and that definition says, especially in spite of a good argument or reason for to do it. He's like, I'm not changing. Now, how can, you can't get no more stubborn than that. God said, I'm not going to change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, prove me, try me, and see if I'm going to change. Oh, many have tried and still tried. In this ministry and all over the world, still trying to change God. But he won't flinch. I mean, God is like a... Everybody said he's like. Everybody said he's like. Because I'm not saying he is. I'm saying he's like. God is like a grumpy old man. You know how a grumpy old man is. They gonna, they set in their ways. God is setting his ways. 
You know, grumpy old men, they'll say, I've always done it this way before. I'm not going to do it any other way. I'm going to do it the same way this day for all, all the way out till eternity. And if you're going to live in my house, you're going to go according to my will. That's a grumpy old man that's stubborn and ain't going to do it. God is just like that. God says, you come with all the tears. You can cry. You can snot. You can do all that. You can heek a Messiah and ta-ta-ta all the way. You can crawl on the floor, throw up in the bag. You can do all of that. You can cast out devils. You can do all that. But I'm not going to change. In the annals of time, people have tried to change him. Everybody tried to change him. And he has not flinched. I'm the Lord, I change not. Now, get this. You're in the image and likeness. So you have a will. You could be dog determined. You have a will. So now you have a will and God is already in place. Now it's the battle of the wills. Your will against His. Now there's a problem. Your will against his will. He's not going to change. So now he's in the impasse, right? Because it's my will against yours. And the impasse is, okay, we're at this place where it's his will and my will. Who's going to blink first? Well, God has eternity for his evidence to prove that he won't. (laughs) All over, he won't. So you can fiddle and faddle with it and change him all you want. Many have since the beginning of time, through the end of time, trying to make him flinch. And none has been able to. What makes you think you're going to make him flinch? He's the Lord God. He changed not and he never will. He's never going to flinch. Many of you in this room have tried to make him blink. Tried to make him flinch. Jonah tried it. Israel tried it. All, All over the Bible. Many tried it. Tried to change him. God, no, you're not serious, God. You can do this in there. And every time, he's never blinked. He's never flinched. He's never yielded. The whole nation of Israel tried to make him flinch. And, and, then, and then Israel, you know, they, they, they get a little arrogant with it. Okay, God, we your people. You're going to have to change that or we're going to leave you. God said, Well, you are my people, but I'm not changing. And I do need you, but I'll do something without you. But I'm not changing. See, we be like, well, I'm a child of God and God. You know, all these people that say they got a whole whole another relationship with God. God's telling me personally, I don't have to tithe. I don't have to give like that. God said... I'm not flinching. God told Israel, okay, you don't have to do my will, but you're going to go into captivity. We your people. He said, now you're my people in captivity. 
Because you're going in. Because I'm not changing. And guess what he's telling you? You're my people. And if you don't obey, you're going into captivity. I'm a child of the king. Now you're a child of the king in captivity. I'm a daughter of the king in captivity. Because why? His will is going to be done. I don't care how much you tell him how much he needs you. He's not going to change. And God does need you. But he's not going to blink to your will. Ever. Many of us in here, we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven. To know how much our lives was determined by our wills. How much. You're not going to see it until you get to heaven. No matter how I teach it. You're not going to see it until you get to heaven. How much your life. It was determined by your own will. Now we're going to look at three different things of a move of God, how to understand it when it's fulfilled. So write down, a move of God is fulfilled when, and put a colon, and then you can just do it after that. Number one, a move of God is fulfilled when, number one, His will is obeyed. Number two, His promise have been received. And number three, then there is rest. There will be rest. I'll say them again. A move of God is fulfilled when His will has been obeyed, His promise has been received, and there is a rest. Now, here in Hebrews chapter 3, this is referencing what happened in the Old Testament when Israel disobeyed God. For the final time, because... Now, you're not going to get into the promised land. The Word of God calls it, the Word of God calls it the day of provocation. The day of provocation. In other words, they provoked God. They provoked God to see if He was going to blink. To see if He was going to flinch. They provoked Him. And He said, nope, I'm not going to flinch and I'm not going to blink. But he said, but what is going to happen, you are going to die in the wilderness. And I'll raise up a whole other generation and let them carry the promise. Now bring that in today. See, while you're trying to get him to flinch and change, he's saying, you're going to die in the wilderness. Are you in chapter 3, beginning at verse 7? Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today... Everybody say today. If you hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. Listen to me. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their ways or in their choices. And they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. God didn't say, uh, listen, God didn't say I was taking the rest away from them. He just denied them membership. He said, I swear. Everything I've been dealing with you about, I swear, you will not enter into my rest. God doesn't take his promises away. He just decides who have access. 
And he just did. Look at verse 12. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness, oh gosh, through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Now jump down to verse 1 in the fourth chapter. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now listen, in other words, be fearful because there is a promise and you can come short of it. Almost there. See, God doesn't come short of his promise. He never does. But I can come short of the promise. I can come short. God's promises don't... Let me tell you. God promises. And when he promises, it's a sure thing. You can come short of the promise instead instead of enjoying the rest of the promise. You can come short of it, even though he promised it. And then you can't say, well, the person that told me this or what I was hearing, it just didn't come to pass. No, you came short of it. We just read that. Look at verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath. If they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundations of the world. Even though everything was finished and done, you won't enter into it. Mm-mm. What God has planned is already established. And then we have to enter in. We enter into what he's already established. Don't try to make him establish something else. It won't work. Now, I was about to get into the three things, but we'll get into them tonight. Because the first one, a move of God is fulfilled when God, when we obey. We'll get into those tonight because I'm out of time, but God is not. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.